Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are doing something very silly. There's not really any content to talk about and very little news, but this should be fun. All that and more over this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I am Jeff Randall. That's right. We're doing the robot tonight. We're doing the robot. <laughs> so here's the thing. We have, we have, for lots of weeks now, there's been no content. We've been a lot of feedback. It's been great. I've loved it. I always love our feedback episodes, but I just like wanted to do something a little different tonight. So I was like, what can we do? What, like, like. I want to talk about stuff from all over the MCU, but it's always hard when there's not like a reason. It's not like there's a reason to say like, let's talk about Captain America tonight. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. So, so, uh, it's not like I look at your video and I'm like, Ooh, Captain America's shield. Do you want to talk about Captain America? Let's talk about Captain exactly. America. It's hard to like, just come up with something. So, and all of our feedback right now, we have, we have, 30 pages of Loki feedback left. Like, that's what we have. And I'm like, we have talked about Loki a lot. We're going to get back to some of that probably because some of it's still really interesting. But like, yeah, I just want to do something different tonight. Like maybe the implications of Loki going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and there's lots of that. There's lots of good stuff. Oh, great. Yeah, great question. There should be a good bit of that, like in regard to the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer. Yes, absolutely. Well, what's crazy that Loki feedback is all still there's like 20 pages of it i think i said 30 i think it's 20 uh there's 20 pages of loki feedback left after multiple loki episodes and that's all from the last episode like that's all last episode feedback so it's awesome it's awesome i freaking love it but it's great tonight we're gonna go into this not knowing what we're talking about and we're gonna let chat gpt tell us what to talk about (laughs) man Things must have gone off the rails whenever I was out for a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, welcome back. We hadn't Thank talked you. about it on the show. Uh, you tell want to tell the people what was up? Yeah, no, I mean, I got I got some dental work done, and um, it hurt a lot for a long time. Like, I yeah. was in uh, basically agonizing pain for about five weeks. Um, like, it was so bad that, like, if air was too cold when I mm. breathed, uh, through my nose, it would shock my sinus cavity, and then like that pain would jot like jolt down to the the teeth, and then that pain would go up and like shock around my eye. Yeah. So like really, the only thing I could do is just sit with my hand against my face, hoping that that didn't happen. It was awful. When I was in high school, I had something similar, and I can tell you, I've always said it. It, it was it was the worst pain I've ever had. Like, and it was just this like I had a tooth abscess, so same similar. Ooh. Like a, ner- a nerve was exposed, yep. and like it was just terrible pain. And I only had to do it for, like three days, and it was really hard. You had to do it like over a, a couple of weekends, and it it was oof. Yep. That's terrible, man. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. Really glad you're feeling better. How long did it take you? So you get dental work done. You're sore. You're hurting. They probably had you on drugs the first day or something. Yeah, I was uh, I was um, numbed up. How long was it before you were like, something is not right? <laughs> it was three weeks after. Oh, really? That long? Yeah. Well, like I had gotten uh, I had gotten fillings done on one side, and then the next week I got fillings done on the other side. Yeah, I remember I was like, that. I'm just gonna let it calm down, you know. And then like the second round. Like that side calmed down first, and the other oh, side was still angry. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm glad you had that uh, 
A B test going. That uh, yeah, <laughs> like that. Good lord, man. Good lord. Yeah, it was cool. awful. That sounds terrible. And then and then I called the I called the dentist. Is like, hey, something's something is wrong. Like I am still having such unbelievable pain. Uh, and in they the were like, first well, the one. soonest we can get you in is two weeks from now. And I'm like, good God. That is that is insane, brother. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I, like I said, I had to deal with that for like two days once, and it was the worst pain of my life. And I still remember it as like just terrible. Just bounce it like, like you're talking about, bouncing around your body. Like you feel it in your tooth, and then it's like in your nose, and it's in your head, and then it's in your neck. Like it's all over your face. It hurts. Um, yep. it, and, and yeah, I, uh, I definitely feel you. I was I was taking five ibuprofen every three hours just to try to function. Oh gosh, my liver is destroyed. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Uh, don't get drunk this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too late. <laughs> Guess what's coming? We got legends and libations oh, coming no. up this weekend. Oh no, Jeff! <laughs> These are terrible choices you're making. Nah, man, we put this thing off for like two straight weeks now. Like we. Got- mm-hmm. We gotta get it, gotta get it in there. Gotta get it in there. Gotta get, <laughs> gotta get wasted and talk about fairy tales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what What are you talking about uh, this week? Uh, so we were taking the um, the Valentine's Day uh, origins one that we were going to do, and then you know push that back. So we're just gonna recap that. Cool Valentine's Day, neat. Yeah. You know, March second. <laughs> March 2nd, the most Valentine's Day there is. Yeah, the the one that I most associate with Valentine's Day. (laughs) And then I think three weeks after that, we're doing the uh, Vernal Equinox episode. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, Is is that that like uh, about the Ernest movies? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nailed it. I don't know, like, what, what do you think the number of people that will get that joke are? <laughs> it's like, it's going to be, first it's an age divide, and yep. then there's like, you got to, like, be stupid enough to think Vernal Equinox <laughs> and then think Vern. Like, like it's it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so such a stupid joke. Okay. Gary would get it. Gary would get it immediately. <laughs> yeah, our buddy Gary, he definitely would get it. Uh, we, got, we got a little bit, very, very small amount of news. Um... Ray Winstone, uh, uh, of a, the vil- played the villain in uh, Black Widow, Drakov, Drakov, and um, he came out saying that working on that movie was a soul destroying experience. <laughs> <laughs> Which Great. is real, real bummer. Uh, he said something about basically like he had the higher ups at Marvel. Like the, the suits kind of came around, and I think he like he probably doesn't isn't used to like the suits being involved creatively, which at Marvel they are. Um, he said yeah. the suits came around and basically told him that what he was doing with his acting was not what they wanted, um, and like gave him like they said he was being too too big, like he was being too broad, like too big or too broad. Maybe it's that whole like thing. I don't know. I don't know. That's what they said. You're uh, overacting, bring overacting, it down. bring it down. And like, and then he, he was, he, he said he almost wanted to tell them just to recast it because like it just, <laughs> but it was like, he said it was too late. They would sue me, blah, blah, blah. So then I just had to finish the movie. Like it was, it's terrible. Uh, it sounds terrible. He's like, yeah, it's a real soul crushing experience, uh, working on that Marvel movie. Um, and it just sounds to me like he had creative differences with the people making the movie. And uh, I mean, if you, okay, 
maybe maybe he was right. Maybe what he was doing was great. Or maybe he was doing that classic thing that a lot of actors think when they're in a comic book movie, they have to play comic booky, you know? Yeah. Like, and maybe yeah. they were like, no, no, bring it down to like a human being. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I really remember him from, uh, like offhand, that I can say like definitively, like, ah, oh, yeah, Ray Winstone, is. Uh, I think it was like 2005, King Arthur. Mm, okay. Remember that Clive Owen, Kira Knightley movie? No. No. He says no. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Ray Winstone was one of the, uh, one of the knights in there. Okay. It was one of the, it was, um, God, like the premise on it was like, this is King Arthur, but like actually historically accurate, kind of, probably oh. what it was based on. Okay. He was one of several like pagan knights in in mm. uh in England and or I, I uh, we say knights. He was basically just a servant, not a servant. He was basically a a lieutenant of uh King Arthur. Okay. Uh Artorius. But in that movie he was uh very extra. <laughs> like, I think it was it was like it was the character, you know, the the character that he was was just a big bombastic guy. It's historically accurate, except that guy. He's like <laughs> playing like he's on Pee Wee's Playhouse over there. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. No, like he would he would do uh jokes like um talking about his penis. He would be like, "It's like a baby's arm holding an apple." Oh, is that where that comes from? Yep. You quote that all the time. I never knew where it was. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You've quoted that so many times on this here podcast, and I've never, (laughs) I've never uh, knew where it was from. I keep cutting it out. I keep editing it out. Yeah, I've been editing that phrase out out of the podcast for years. (laughs) 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 Oh man. A decade. It's like I'm going to celebrate a decade of editing that podcast, that phrase out of podcasts. Yep, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, the only other, the other piece of news we had was uh, Dave Batista mm-hmm. uh, was asked, like, uh, also soul crushed. No, actually, he was saying kind of the opposite. He was saying like they asked him if he was be willing to play something in Marvel again. And he was sure. like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was like, I- I'm not done with Marvel. I'm done with, uh, Drax. He was like, I felt like the, the arc for Drax was done. Um, and I felt like we- I had played that character as best, best that I could. Like I was done with that character and sure. Uh, and I wanted to play, uh, like if I were to play something else at Marvel, I would want to do something. He said he would love to do a villain, or or something deeper, like a deeper character with a little more emotional depth. Um, which I would, uh, he didn't say emotional depth. He says deeper. I don't know what he means by that exactly, but I would say that Drax is a really deep character. I love Drax. Like the emotions aren't on his face, yeah, but they're still there. And I think that I think his portrayal of Drax is really interesting for that reason. But I guess I could see as an actor, like you want to play different emotions. Sure. Like Drax is just a big bundle of sadness. Yeah. Well, and. He doesn't express that that much. He's very stoic, you know? Yeah. His sadness is the most you ever see his sadness expressed is when Mantis touches him and she expresses it for him, you know? Yep. Oh, man. That scene still just, like, Mm -hmm. tears at my heart. Me too, man. Me too. It's it's weird that that Batista says that um, 
after all of the crap that he gave Marvel around the the James Gunn firing and rehiring and uh and just the shit show that was the production of Guardians 3 like he he slung a lot of words at Marvel and if if memory serves he was doing a lot of like I'm not like I'm never gonna do this again, or uh, it was it was like if they if this is how they treat people, like nah, I'm out. Yeah, I, I've, I seem to remember that vibe as well, but it was also tied to the fact that he was leaving the character anyway. So like, who knows? Maybe he's backpedaling now, or maybe we kind of got that vibe a little mixed because mixed up because of his. Uh, like leaving the character, like he's done with the character. So it's, it, it, it all coincided. So I don't know. Sure. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, storm. I, I definitely think he was pissed. Like he oh, yeah. was real, real pissed. Um, because, and we all were like, I remember doing those podcasts and reading the stuff that James Gunn had said on Twitter, that guy got in trouble for him being like, this is not a thing to fire someone for. Well, not only that, but like it had been brought up the first time or like when he was originally hired, it had been brought up. He had apologized for it. We thought it was done, you know, and then it came back. And Marvel went in fully knowing that and then fired him when it came to light. It's like, whatever, man, you just, it, it really was, it was terrible choice on Disney's part. Um, and he, he did say something about how he saw Kevin Feige, Feige recently. It just seemed like he's on good terms with the people at Marvel. Um, mm. Maybe it was more like Disney that he was pissed at and the sort of Marvel production itself is, is a little separate in his mind. I don't know. I've heard people talk about that, you know, the, the difference between the sort of Marvel production versus Disney production, and they might. I don't know who made that call about firing gun. Yeah, I don't know either. Feels like a Disney thing more than a Feige thing to me. Yeah, yeah. I think Gun was hired like either right after the the Disney uh, acquisition of Marvel, or it was either right after or like right before, right around yeah. that same time frame. Man. I just, here's a discussion topic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No chat GPT needed here. Like, how amazing is it that we got three James Gunn-helmed Guardians of the Galaxy movies? James Gunn is such a weird director choice. (laughs) Yeah. He is so weird for this. And, and and that's what I kept that's why and the, and those movies are amazing. Uh they're really like some of the best and they're some of the most artistically fulfilling, I think, to watch. I think the the main thing that surprises the hell out of me about uh the Guardians movies is that James Gunn does such a great job at handling a a large number of people yes and making yes. you care about multiple characters mm-hmm. it's like all of these people are the main character sure well he does a really good job and smartly sets up so many things like the fact that some of the characters are simple yeah. like drax is simple emotionally um Gamora, I think Gamora and and Quill are a little more like fully fleshed out in that first movie, um, and then you've got <laughs> you've got like re- the re- the angry raccoon and the tree that only says three words, and it's like they all get characterization, but they they get deeper as the movies go on. You know what I mean? 
Sorry, it's is like Drax is really simple emotionally. Uh, Groot is really simple, like script wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like verbally simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like for real, like it just gives you less. Like by, I mean, I think Groot being a character that is very simple, you don't get his real internal life very much until that, till the We Are Groot scene. Which, oh man, oh man. Yeah, that's all it takes. You established for so long. He's this like jolly green giant, basically like this, right. This lovable lumbering idiot. Yep. No pun intended on lumbering. Uh, and then- <laughs> That's a good joke. That's a real good joke, Jeff. <laughs> and, then, and then you get to the end, and it's like, oh no, he can say a different word, mm. and it feels like it. It because he's obviously sacrificing himself. It hits you so much harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always maintained, and I think especially after we see the. F- final scene of guardians uh three that that we are groot is him is them getting to know him because that's always been like the thing right like they've, yeah. they talk, they've talked about how like as you get to know groot you understand groot and over the yeah. time the characters are understanding him and i've always taken that line when he says we are groot is it's them starting to be able to hear more from him than you know and and just that little learning one, groot yeah, they're learning Groot, and I, I think it's so beautiful. And 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 then for the ending to be like, we now like understand Groot. Yeah, like we as the audience now understand him. Golly, it's so good. I love though that there was uh, like there was a little bit of an upset with that when Thor came in and just completely understood him, and like, oh right, they, yeah, they were like you you speak Groot, and he's like, yeah, it's always an elective. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that Gun is such a weird choice, and this is why forever with Ant Man, I was always talking about how I wanted um, Edgar Wright to get in there because I think that would have been another weird choice to like sure. let someone have that creative control. But that, apparently, Edgar Wright just couldn't work within the system, and James Gunn almost couldn't toward the end; like he almost didn't make it through that third movie. But he held in there, and I think we're all the the MCU is so much better for it. Yeah. Like, man, the only thing I can think of on the third movie is, like, that just, that flesh uh, space station. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And, like, it just (laughs) grosses me out every time. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Oh, man. Have you seen the, um, speaking of gun, have you seen the, they posted a photo of the cast of Superman? No. Which apparently is now called Superman, not Superman Legacy. Okay. Uh, you don't, you probably don't know you don't know any of this. I don't know. <laughs> I I know you don't care about DC, but you like DC when you're younger, right? Like the comics yeah. and such. Batman, uh, the game. animated stuff. I like was you all it. about it. Well, I think I'm really hopeful for this. Like James Gunn helming DC, like letting him have full control of the whole universe and like going for it. Like I really think that could be cool. It also could be terrible because it's not exactly what he does. He's not a He's not the suit, you know, he's the auteur, yeah. auteur director. I'm very cautiously optimistic for Superman, um, and the cast looks just fun, man. Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane is so good. <laughs> so, so good. Who is that? Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm down. That's such a good, like, 
uh, like I don't think she's gonna play that same like old timey character, but like she'll have it'd be enough. Great if she did, right? Like, it, it, like she'll, <laughs> I think she'll have enough of that classic. She's really fast talking. That classic patter that she yeah. has in in Maisel, like she can bring some of that to that character. I think would be awesome. Snarky, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so, a little I, bit so spiteful. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At times, for sure. Um. So and yeah, I just think the whole cast is looking awesome. Uh, you just reminded me of it because you talked brought up the, the the skin suits and like Nathan Fillion is playing one of the Green Lanterns in there. Oh, okay. So it's exciting. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about this this goofy thing that we got. Yeah, going let's on do it. Tonight. Let's just let's just do it, man. What, what what's what's Chat GPT tell us we should talk about? We, we right, what, so our prompt I- is. I keyed in, give me a conversation topic related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it said, how about discussing the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4 movies and TV shows? There are a lot of exciting projects in the works, including Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, (laughs) Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, and several Disney Plus shows like Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. You can talk about which projects you're most looking forward to, your favorite MCU characters, or speculate about how the new movies okay. and shows will tie into the overall MCU storyline. Okay, so ChatGPT failed us on this one. Yeah, but- ChatGPT is living in the past. <laughs> okay, let's. Let, yeah, ChatGPT is apparently living in phase. Th- like he's living in the COVID year, like post Endgame. <laughs> ChatGPT uh, never got out of COVID. Like co- that ChatGPT wasn't even like around then. Like that's. Be- <laughs> That's before you were born, Chat GPT. Come on, <laughs> how do you know about that? Well, he's, it was he's like honestly, wanna... it was probably being trained on language models, right? Like, and and data from that time. Yeah. Well, he he says, uh, Chat GPT turns to me and says, "Well, I was born yesterday." <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, so I- instead of talking about what we talked about for two years. <laughs> um, we did that chat GBT for two years. Let's Man, say I'm really looking forward to Shang Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. What is the thing in Phase Four? Here, you're like, see, I love this, man. This is great. We should do that. Like, I like that. Like, it can give us a prompt, and then we can kind of like make it our own or whatever. So, like, sure. okay, how about what you talked about expectations for Phase Four, right? Yeah. What's the thing that most blew you away, and your expectations were low? And what's the thing that underperformed your expectations and they when they were really high? Like what's the two that are most swapped from what you expected to what you got? Hmm. So the thing that let me down the most yeah. because I had such high expectations was Eternals. Hmm. I think I think that one was uh, like I was expecting kind of a a guardians type thing where like we have you know a lot of characters and we get to love know and love like so many of them you know yeah. and we just didn't get that like we didn't get that family and yeah. they kind of tried to smash like three different Eternals movies together and none of them really won out. Yeah. I, 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 that's definitely, uh, yeah, that's gotta be up there for me with what, um, what I was most disappointed in. And yeah, like, I mean, we, we, we like did some reading on those comics and I, I, yeah, 
That was, that, yeah, that's like we were expecting one. the Neil Gaiman run to be such a big thing, and then like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they just made some yeah. shit up. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, for as for disappointments, hmm, it's tough because I don't know that anything disappointed me terribly. But if I had to go with a disappointment for phase four, man, it is hard. It, uh, other than Eternals, I'm trying to go with something different than you went with. Cause I think, I think that's probably, I think that's probably mine too. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to choose something different from you since you already took yeah. mine. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't claim it. <laughs> you took mine. Um, <laughs> I, I really, okay, if we look at like what all happened. Yeah. Uh, there was Black Widow, Shang-Chi. I'm going to start with films. Sure. Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. In the television series, there was WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Season 1, What If, Season 1, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk. Yes. And then there was Werewolf by Night and The Guardian's Holiday Special. As far as yeah, individuals, yeah, yeah. I I think I'm gonna go with, and it, it's almost within itself that it disappointed me, and I I feel bad because I do love it, but I think I'm gonna go with Miss Marvel, really because okay. I was really excited for like the youth and like the the energy of that character. We had so so much promise in the first two episodes. Yeah, that even the even I would even narrow it down further. The first episode is like amazing level, like introduction of a character, amazing. And like I feel like the rest of the story is a little bit of a letdown. Um so it's 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 funny. I don't know how my hype level was before the series came out, but my hype level after episode 1 was through the roof. Yeah. And then I did not love the last five episodes. They're fine. They're not terrible. Um, and there's really some interesting stuff in there. Um, I honestly really like all the cultural stuff. And I really loved having Zoo on and talking about all the like stuff that we didn't even understand. Uh, it yep. was great. It was really great. Um, it was yeah, a great like, time. Oh, man, my, my understanding of the series was so much like deepened uh, from having for Zoo sure. come on for sure. and talk to us about it. Me too. But... When I think about those episodes, I think about how much I love the first one, and the rest one of them feel like disappointments. So I guess sure. I'm going to go with that, which really is, it bums me out, because I really love her character. Um, but I think I'm going to yeah. go with that. Um, as for the one that surprised me, like that I was probably least hyped for, but most loved, I'm going to go with Shang-Chi. Okay. Um, I just didn't know that character. Yep. And like I'm not I'm not a big like martial arts comic book guy. Like it seemed like something that was just sort of an offshoot of Marvel that I didn't really something I wasn't into. And uh, you know, like it was it's just so good. It's it's one of the best, especially as an origin movie. Like I'm looking at the other ones on here and like there are ones I like better than Shang-Chi possibly. I don't know if it's a better movie. But I think I like Spider-Man No Way Home better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Spider-Man No Way Home is just... It's well, just so much. It's, 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 like, it's like the end game of Spider-Man movies, right? It like, really is. Yeah. It yeah, really yeah. absolutely is. Because it delivers on so much promise from all of them. 
like Liter- across the spider verse yeah literally if you will <laughs> P- peter in his is in his darkest moment and then you get it's not one scene but you get the portals scene i mean you get the like the sling ringed up portals open up and the two other spider-men walk through and it is nine movies deep in lore and it's just so good um yep. so yeah i i really love i it's more than that there's three 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 um three toby movies two garfield, two garfield movies, movies two tom holland movies yeah that's seven and then tom holland is also in three other marvel movies yeah, so he was that in is Civil War, that Infinity is War, and Endgame. Ten movies before No Way Home. Like that is so much canon and stuff that they like paid off so many cool things in that movie. Um, I know it has its problems. I think Shang Chi is probably a better movie, but I think I love No Way Home more. But Shang Chi is probably the one that I have the, the most inverted expectations for i right. love like Shang-Chi. it has the biggest gap yeah because like our our expectations for no way home were already pretty high yeah before shang chi came out i think i was like you know what i'm excited a marvel movie's coming out like that's my <laughs> level of excitement so it's like by default it was like my lowest level because i just didn't really have that many expectations your that movie. baseline marvel excitedness yes yeah, exactly which is pretty high <laughs> and, and and maybe that's the problem. Maybe I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> uh, what about you? What about you? What's so, your inversion? Uh, the one that surprised me the most, I don't want to say it was Spider-Man No Way Home, because like we had high expectations, and then it did better than that. Yeah, 100%. But Well, let me say this about No Way Home. I had high expectations. But I stayed away from all the leaks, and I didn't know anything, and I let myself believe that it was 100% possible there would be no more Spider-Man in this movie. Like, I, I really believed that going in. I didn't know. I didn't yep. see the leaks. And I was like, yeah, he's just going to fight a bunch of Spider-Villains. It's just the villains. That's all we know. And I'm happy with that. Yep. And I, they lied to me. Oh, they lied to me. Lied to me. <laughs> lied to me, Marvel. Lie to me. <laughs> Oh man, it's 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 so funny. Like I'm I'm looking at this list. Like okay, high expectations. You know, know the characters, have expectations, have expectations. Okay, yeah, no, no. The one that that got me the best was Wandavision, and that's be that is strictly because the amount of fun. That we had, like as a community. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's every a good call. single week. Yeah, that's not something that I could have predicted. Yeah, we're like we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. We got red string theories going all over the place. Like I'm preparing like a freaking PhD dissertation on like how it's leading up to Mephisto and how that's absolutely what they're doing there. (laughs) Like, I think I still have the notes on like, here is Mephisto and here's why, like, this is all leading to Mephisto. Now you're just waiting for Agatha to come prove you right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm basically Mm -hmm. just like waiting for Mephisto to be like, it's been me all along. And I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) that's a, that's a really good call. I think that's a really good one because I think that no one expected what WandaVision was like. I, even to, even to a fault, like I know a lot of people who fell off during those first three episodes. Yeah. Cause it was, it was so weird. So weird. You're, we're like, okay, I know 
Wanda killed Vision, but then Thanos brought him back and then killed him again. And then <laughs> in Endgame, she was like, she basically was just going to straight ice his ass until he yeah. was like, rain fire. <laughs> when he was like, I don't even know who you are. And she's like, you will. Mm. And then just starts ripping him apart, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. She's got so much power. So we're seeing, we know that about her. But then we see these commercials where, like, Vision, who is dead, is now alive. And then they're doing, like, 50s and 60s TV shows. And, like, what is going on? How. How did we get here? <laughs> like, how did yeah. we go from where we were to this? I, I had no idea what to think. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. And and like the fact that they chose to do three episodes without breaking the fourth wall, basically, yep. is is so cool. And then they finally do, and it's like, oh man, this is good. This is weird and good and cool. Um, so that's a great one. All right, uh, so. We're going to probably do a couple more chat GPT conversations. <laughs> I, we, we don't know what chat GPT is going to do to us, uh, but we'll be right back with those in just a second. And we're back. <laughs> Beep boop. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So I told chat GPT, give me another one. Like all the, right. the context is still there. We're talking about the MCU. All right. Um, it said, Sure. How about discussing the impact of the MCU on the film industry and pop culture as a whole? Ooh. The MCU has become one of the biggest franchises in movie history and has spawned countless imitators and spinoffs. You could talk about the ways in which the MCU has influenced other superhero movies or how it has changed the way movies are marketed and released. You could also discuss the cultural significance of the MCU and how it has impacted the way people think about superheroes and comic book adaptations. Man. Uh, well, we have we have had that conversation in various forms over the years, but how where where are you sitting at it with it now? Like where where do you feel like the MCU? So 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 just to set the stage, I guess. Obviously, the MCU has been a huge driver of the connected universe. Like it brought yeah because it was so dominant. Everyone, body wanted a connected universe. Yep. I mean, it is the reason that happened. Like, it is the reason that everything that comes out has to have a plan for other movies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was what the Universal Monster Verse that just never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, did you hear that Kevin Costner is coming out with some? I hate the trailer, so I like I, I I've been really bad mouthing it on Multiverse News. But Kevin Costner is coming out with a movie, a movie event they're calling it. Oh, good. That is four movies that are. It sounds like they're going to release them over two years. Oh no! They're releasing like one movie in June, one movie in August, or something like that. And then I'm guessing they're going to do the next one the next summer. They haven't said when this third and fourth movie. So, but so I think that sounds really neat. Like if you do that, like it sounds kind of like what the MCU does, but like not building on it, just going in saying we're doing four movies in theaters. Like whoa, that is weird, right? Well, here's here's the the thing that I find positive that the like insanely positive that the MCU has done 
for the film industry is that everything like you can you can have an idea that is not able to be contained within one movie in a in like a good way like uh i point to the example of dune like the first dune yeah, movie yeah 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 was like so much content smashed into it but now they're like we're going to make dune and we're going to we're going to let it breathe so like mm-hmm. part 1 part 2 there's potential for there to be more like you can have this idea of i want to do this thing that needs four movies to make you know i can like uh, Zack snyder can do a four hour batman movie and that's because the mcu has been like you know what people actually do like having a connected universe as far as yeah. like these movies all fit together mm-hmm. i think we're seeing at this point how like it's gotten a little too big <laughs> And people are like, there's so much. Like you're you're trying to <laughs> to eat the Titanic, basically. Mm-hmm. It becomes unwieldy and hard to get into. Like yeah. if you like, if you decide you like Shang Chi, and you're like, interesting, that was a cool movie that I went to see because I like martial arts movies. Yep. What's this MCU about? Oh, this is the sequel to 24 other movies. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Who are these very important looking people that he was talking to at the end of the movie? Right. Like, if you were, like, real casual, like, not geeky, not into comic books, you just like, like, whatever, martial arts movies. So you go see Shang-Chi, and you're like, what? I've heard of Marvel, and I know that they make movies, but it's not my thing. I don't like superheroes. But but I do like this, so let's see. 24 movies. This is 24 prequels to this Shang-Chi thing. <laughs> And then he doesn't show up ever again. (laughs) Oh, how disappointing. Disappointing! (laughs) I think that's another uh, thing that we can can point to as a a, a conversation topic of like, what, (laughs) what thread has been laid out and just not touched that pisses you off? Oh man, there's a whole list, man. There's a lot, long, long list. <laughs> I've seen. I, I don't know. If it's my. It's my algorithm. I'm sure, but I've seen like YouTube videos pop up lately. They're like top ten things they they haven't touched yet. Like they haven't touched again uh, in the MCU. Um, yep. Threads that were dropped. Yeah. It's 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 tough, man. It's tough out man, there. Shang Chi. Let, let's put this into context. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings came out in 2021. Mm. That is... It has been nearly three years since that movie premiered. If a movie did that well, any other movie outside the MCU did that well, and was that beloved, we would have had a sequel announced, like, the next week. The next week, yeah. The, uh, The sequel would have come out two years later, maybe. Right, exactly. Like, they take about two years to make, they decide to make it as soon as one is really successful, that's how it works. But just because MCU was so crowded, Shang-Chi has gotten nothing, and it just really pisses me off, because it's so good. Especially in Phase 4. Like, that's that. That's something that, that I keep coming back to, is like, uh, there are people that are like, oh, it's so much content to, to have to watch, like, there's yeah. so much to get through. And I look back, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Phase 4 especially, like, Phase 4 had 
more screen time, more content mm-hmm. screen time than the rest of the phases combined. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, so at the the big thing that people talk about that's negative. So I think there's a lot of positives. And a lot of the negatives that the MCU gets blamed for are just studios trying to copy them that are bad at it. Like Yeah. Like a lot of the a lot of the negatives are just that. The one thing that I've heard people complain of in the industry that I hear some legitimacy to is that Marvel consumes all the air in the room. Yeah. And so it's hard to make smaller movies. And it's not just Marvel. It's Marvel and DC and whatever. Like a few big franchises that drop every few weeks. We got some big franchise movie coming out. Almost every weekend there's a franchise movie coming out now. Um, And it makes it hard for those other movies to like like other smaller lesser known properties to just have like ever get a movie made you know yeah just to exist yeah and we just like we kind of lose so these days it's like you're either making a 100 million dollar superhero movie or franchise movie or you're making something for 6 million dollars on streaming you know <laughs> yeah you're working for netflix or marvel I'm sorry, Netflix or Disney. Right, exactly. And either way you're getting screwed. Yeah. So so I think I think there is something to be said for that. That like it because of it it itself taking up so much of the air in the room, and then also its effect on other studios trying to own the stage with the same tactics. Yep. Um it is causing there to be a lack of space for smaller films. Um which, you know, it's also just like basic competition. It's like when you put out a movie, if you're the movie that's doing well that weekend, you can make a hundred million dollars or whatever on opening weekend. So a bunch of movies just try to be that movie and those budgets just keep exploding upward, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it's tough. So I, I think there's, there's, there's not a lot of those like, you know, $20 million comedies being made anymore, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, it, like the 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 thing that I look at as like a, a historical comparison, it kind of feels like superhero genre, uh, or just like Marvel, DC, whatever. Like the the franchises that we're getting now are kind of the the westerns, the like spaghetti westerns of our time. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. For like, sure, you just don't see those anymore. But like they used to be so prevalent, just coming yeah. out all the time. That that comparisons been made many times, and it is it is really interesting to see. Like it exploded, uh, it was everywhere. There were TV shows that ran twenty years, you know, that yep. are all cowboy stories and just cowboy movies were everywhere. That was just what we. That was what our heroes were, you know? Yeah, and they then, were the superheroes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now superheroes have replaced them. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's it's weird to think, like, what does that mean for the future uh, of of superhero movies and can it pivot? And I think, I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon, but I do think that the fact that we have started to make, I think one thing that happens to the cowboy one thing that happens is you start to question the cowboy. Like in the 
40s and 50s and 60s they made these movies and no one was questioning the cowboys are the good guys and it, and it's very very bad because it's the cowboys are the good guys and the indians are the bad guys like it's literally cowboys yeah. and indians like that's the movies um and so i think one of the things that happened to those movies on a meta scale is they start to you start to question those protagonists yeah like you know what i mean like i really think that is a, that is a thing that happened is like People started to view Native Americans as people and not like, <laughs> how dare uh, they, you know, like, and so <laughs> when that, when that happened and like, it, it started to get, oh, well, maybe all the cowboys aren't the good guys. And then it's, you start having these deconstructions of what does it mean to be a cowboy? What does it mean to be a criminal? What does it mean to be a lawman? And then you start having a lot more like these gray sort of stories where it's not exactly, you know, and I think that. You lose the simplicity that is the opiate of the masses, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that simplicity that is the spaghetti Western kind of just sure, goes sure. away. Yeah. Well, and just you, you want to have these kinds of movies mm-hmm. that are the opiate of the masses or whatever, like the, 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 the things we can all watch and just be like, I'm behind Captain America, you know? Yeah. Um, y- you just need this sort of like, unquestioning devotion that that guy's your hero. You know what I mean? And like when John Wayne stopped being that to a lot of people, you know, like it's, it, it just shifts like that. That's not the icon of, of of hero anymore. And it's really interesting though, because in the MCU itself, which is the peak of this captain America is, is a character that from the beginning has been questioning himself. I mean, the first movie is pretty like, Obviously, he's the good guy. He's fighting the Nazis. That's why they said it there. They want Captain America to be clearly good. There's no questioning (laughs) of America. It's the 40s. They're on the right side of history. Uh, But but then, like, (laughs) but then you jump forward, and like the second movie he's in, like, uh, he's like questioning what it means to serve. Uh, shield, you know, like it's really yeah. like he he's finding those weapons, the phase two weapons. He's like, what the hell is this? Like he starts to question what it means to follow orders, and like that that allows him to stay good even the, in the modern times when things aren't as uh red, white, and blue uh, yeah. as they used to be. Um, <laughs> I think you mean black and white. I said, uh, right, right. That's what I meant. Yeah, sure, sure, uh, sure. I get it. Both, both things. Same, same. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, like I think, but here, here's what I, here's here's my real question though about that. So if that's the case, that we're moving towards some some change like that, is the boys and Invincible the beginning of that downfall? Oh, oh man, it could be. Yeah, I, I really think like I've been saying it for a while, and I never connected it to the westerns before, but. The boys and in Invincible, once you reveal, once you pull back the curtain and you say, no, if there were superheroes, they'd be terrible. Yeah, these would be the worst kind of people, especially in our society. Yeah, like with great power does come great responsibility, but the responsibility doesn't just appear like, you know, like yeah. these people <laughs> and, and like all, all people with power are not good people. Like it, it's, That's- yeah. That's the thing. The, the the phrase is not the phrase is not actually with great power comes great responsibility. It's with great power must come great responsibility. Oh, I love that. Like let's not misquote Stan Lee. Yeah. 
because he's still right. <laughs> like, yeah. Homelander is the worst. Right. So 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 you start seeing Homelander and Brightburn and like all these things like people with powers that are just oh maybe just a human with that much power isn't so good. And it is something we're asking ourselves about like actual humans in the real world too. Like people that with lots of one person with too much power is basically never good. Um, and so, yeah. Like, is that the beginning of that same sort of shift that we saw where it's like, at one point you just looked up at cowboys and they shoot good and they stand up for, for themselves and their people. And it seems like they're great. And at one point we looked at Captain America and he's strong and he holds a shield and he like throws it at people like a frisbee and it just feels like he's a hero. Yeah, he saves the kid. Right. Uh, and, and and like at some point you start like seeing through the veneer of that and is is our culture doing that with superheroes now or is cuz I can't think of I mean obviously Watchmen existed uh but I don't think it had the same I don't think Watchmen had the same cultural impact the boys does. No, like, yeah, no. Pop cultural impact. I think it it had the same cult it had bigger cultural impact, but it had the it's sort of like um I think Watchmen is the book that people read and the movie that I think the movie oversimplifies the story to the point that you don't see them all as bad. Like you don't see the problems the book was trying to tell to talk yeah. about. Yeah, the movie did like the movie did that thing where it tried to do too much, tried to put too much into a movie. Yeah, got bloated, got boring. The book, yeah, the graphic sure. novel, was a masterpiece. There's a really great YouTube essay uh, by Patrick H. Willems, and it talks about like what is Zack Snyder good at, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure, and. Or what is he doing? What are what are what are his movies? And basically, the thing that, that this guy he calls him a himbo auteur, which I think is really funny. He's like on the YouTube video, it says "our himbo auteur," and it's it's like Zack Snyder's body of work. He he basically examines it and says Zack Snyder is amazing at making beautiful imagery look iconic. Yeah, but there is no subtext to any of it. Like, there's yep. just nothing under the surface of anything. And there's all these people that talk about how deep it is, but he like goes through all these like theories about how deep this the work is, and just sort of like dismantles it and says, "No, he's just making Superman look cool in this moment. Like, that's nothing deep." Anyway, it's a very good essay, and it goes through his entire fr- his entire like body of work from before you would probably know of his stuff. the The owls of something like the owls of Gaul or something oh, like the that. Guardians of Gaul. Yes, he made that movie, and he—it's really funny because he—he talks about he talks about that movie a ton in the, and he talks about how it relates to all of his future work. It's very, very cool, a very great, great essay. But three hundred was fun, but it was mostly that it looked really cool. Exactly, three hundred's great, like for what it is. But there's no, there's very little subtext. It was also like the movie was a frame by frame of the comic book. Yes, yes. Uh, but he's great at taking those iconic images, like in Watchmen, like in 300, like in the DC-verse, taking iconic images and making them beautiful on screen. Yep. Uh, 
but I don't, I, I, I feel like they're empty and Patrick H. Willems agrees with me and I love him for it because it makes me feel like, yes, that's what I've been trying to express all these years about Zack Snyder movies. Yeah. There's no substance. <laughs> uh, sorry for those of you who love Zack Snyder, like more power to you. I, I think he has some great talent there, but like, it, it's not for me. Uh, most of the time. I actually love the Watchmen movie. I really do. Um, but anyway, my point about the Watchmen movie is the book is a questioning of superheroes and like, like it, it's really, it's what the boys is doing now, but way back then and in a, in a, in a much more like l- a much less accessible sort of format. And I think that like the movie did not ask those same questions really. <laughs> well, that like, also, the Watchmen is just so dark and dreary and gritty and like sad. Like more than anything, it's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the boys is kind of fun for a bit. Yeah, but then like it starts to wear you down. Of like, oh, oh no, yeah, no, these are terrible people. Right, right, right. And it's not just one of them; it's all of them. Yeah. So my my, my whole point is, I, I, we've gone really awry with the. Sorry, I went way into that gu- the guardian. I started talking about Guardians of Gaul. I'm sorry. Um, my point is, I think that the boys and Invincible are having a moment right now. Yeah, that are questioning superheroes in a broad in in front of a larger audience that in a way they've never been questioned before. And like, it, it makes me wonder if we are making that shift. I like I like using Invincible uh, as that as a as an example because. Um, it's got that subversion of like, you know, spoiler alert for season one, uh, <laughs> Omni-Man being like so bad, right? Is, is such a, a shocking thing. Yes. But then like we as the audience feel like, you know, his son, like we, we identify with his son. Like, no, how can you, how, how can you be bad? Like mm-hmm. you're a super person. You, you, something made you love this place. Like we kind of feel like we're, we are also trying to bargain with, you know, this incredibly super powerful person. Yeah. And like, maybe if we can just convince him enough and like, you know, make the right argument and like fight back and show him that like, we care enough, like maybe, you know, maybe we can turn him around, Mm -hmm. but like, doesn't quite get there. Yeah. Because he's just so out of touch. I, I love I love that idea of it and it kind of, you know, reflecting like how superhero movies are are shifting or how the superhero genre is shifting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, is like if it's shifting that way, it's really hard to celebrate the Marvel universe. You know what I mean? Like if that's where if that's where it's going it's really hard for us as a culture to still be watching like our heroes that we love. Now there may be ways to subvert it. There may be ways to make it more complicated, more gray, more interesting, but then do you lose the whole, as I keep saying, the opiate of the masses, like fun, simple storytelling. Like there's a reason they're always fighting kind of like non-human aliens, robots or monsters. Like there's a reason the, the moral question always has to come down to a simple moral fight. You know what I mean? But this thing, the MCU hasn't always been that way. Like civil war, for instance, um, black, black Panther, like they do ask harder questions sometimes, 
So maybe they've been different enough since the beginning that it can continue to be that way. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, there's also the the thing that's unique about the MCU uh, is that there are so many corners of the the MCU that like genres can be explored in any direction. So like where we can have uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, where you have like these two nations at war, basically, where like neither of them are really wrong, and like. I completely and fully understand, you know, Namor's uh, drive to protect his people from the outside world because the outside world is terrible. But like, mm-hmm. you can also have things that are, you know, you've got those questions that are really gray and hard to hard to look at, hard to answer. Uh, and then you compare that to like She-Hulk Attorney at Law is just a ton of fun. Yeah. 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 And, like, a couple of questions like that might be asked within there. But, like, generally speaking, it's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're tackling feminism. Or we're, we're, tacking, we're tackling uh, the, the gender norms and gender uh, differences. Like, we're trying to bring feminism into, like, a better <laughs> mainstream. Like, put a better taste on that word for you. <laughs> I don't know. You were like... You could have a complicated story with all that, you know, like intense look at things, or you could do a simple story like feminism. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I realize that those words are uh, not great. <laughs> it's it's just that the She Hulk story. No, the She Hulk story is not uh, so simple. Yeah, it's not a deeply hard moral story either. Um, it is a. a and, and like in the end, it's not even about her defeating the story. Like she doesn't even live out the whole story. She just decides to change it, and that's yeah. that is the power of that like story is that her deciding what her story is. And I think that's really cool. And is a, yeah, a she takes story. the power. Yeah, it's great. It's a great. Uh, it's I, I love I love Shield. I just remembered. I've got my K E V I N pop. Nice. Here. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. From Collector Core. I didn't know that was a thing. That's great. I love it. Okay, well, we need to wrap up pretty soon. Like, we've got an hour on two questions. Uh, thank you. <laughs> do you want to do another one? Robot. But I do want to do another But before you do just another one, let's, like, what's, the, what's something we can ask it to, like, get something obscure or weird? Like, give me a weird one or give me an obscure one. Because I feel like, you know, we've been doing this a long time. And those two questions it gave us were, like, we, 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 we had a meal on them. But yeah. I just want to see, like, we, we don't have that much longer to talk. So let's, like, get something just... Off the wall. I'm going to see if this works. I'm, I'm saying, give me another one that's more obscure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I can't wait. Oh, let's, end on, okay. let's end on whatever All this right. is, whatever just laughing at. How about discussing the use of color grading in the MCU films? Oh, man. The MCU films have a distinct visual style, and color grading plays a big part in creating that look. You could talk about how the color palettes of different films reflect the tone and mood of the story, or how color grading is used to create a sense of continuity across the different movies. For example, 
The use of warm, saturated colors in Guardians of the Galaxy gives it a retro, 70s-inspired feel, while the cooler, more muted colors in Captain America the Winter Soldier reflect its more serious, political thriller tone. You could also discuss the technical aspects of color grading and how it is used to enhance the visual effects and overall look of the films. Wow. Uh... I feel like it nope. did all the discussion for us. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I, th- I feel like sometimes these questions, these like prompts are a little too, they explored a lot of it. Um, yeah. I do think there is a, we'll keep it short if we can. Uh, I do think there is a struggle within Marvel to find the right tone. Like I think it hit a certain color grading and, and a certain like stylized thing with the uh, Winter Soldier. And it kind of stayed there. And I mean, like, a lot of the movies stayed there, not just the Cap movies. Um, I, th- I think the, uh, the Iron Man movies fell victim to it. I think the, some of the Avengers movies fell victim to it. Sort of this, like, like they, they mentioned it in the, in the prompt, uh, this, like, sort of grayscale, like, like muted tones, the seriousness uh, to, to express seriousness. I think it's sort of a Russo Brothers thing. Yeah. Um, but it also went into other movies as well. I, th- I and I think that now they're trying to sort of obviously like like a lot of things they've done in Phase Four. They're trying to shake that up, do something a little different. Um, but I, I think they are having a hard time finding their like new tone because th- I just when I think about Avengers, the first Avengers, that movie feels bright and colorful to me. Yeah, but everything after that does feel muted. In well, comparison. like if you look at in Avengers, you look at the color of Cap's outfit. Yeah, so like it is bright blue, mm-hmm. like perfect crisp colors. Yeah, and then like Cap and the Winter Soldier, which I mean, you said that um, Iron Man movies were affected. There haven't been Iron Man movies since Captain America: The Winter Soldier. No, oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but <laughs> but like. The Russo brothers, you know, they did Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. Like, all of those kind of had that same kind of dull the color palette yeah. to them. Yeah. And I think that's just the way that they... Um, the, the, the way that they do things as far as, like, trying to keep it grounded. Yeah. Uh, and kind of more on the serious side. But, like, whenever you went to, like, Thor Ragnarok... Things were bright and colorful. Scar For sure. was full of color. For sure. I think, uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think if I feel that way about others other than just the Rousseau movies. I think maybe Ant-Man, maybe, is a little muted compared to some of the others. The, the red of his suit is pretty, pretty, pretty red, but it does feel like a lot of like very plain environments he's running through. Like even think about some of the really great, amazing scenes um, and some of those colors feel a little... It was a lot darker. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of, yeah. like, underground and sneaking and in pipes and shadows. Yeah. Like, it was just darker. Like, I even think about, like, the Thomas the Tank Engine scene, which is, like, amazing <laughs> and creative and fun and, like, such a great last fight scene. Like, it's so good. Yeah. But I still feel like that is shot, like, the, with the seriousness of the Russo brothers, like, a little bit. Like, it's got a little bit of that tone to the footage or something. Sure. Um, I mean, when I said when I said the Iron Man thing, I was thinking about Iron Man three. I think Iron Man three has a little bit of that too, um, even though it's not, obviously not a Russo brothers thing or even post Russo brothers. But I'm just wondering if like I, I've heard a lot of pe- a lot of like YouTubers complain about that look, 
It doesn't yeah. bother me, but I do think that the Marvel Universe is big enough to have like a variety of tones. And I think it does. Um, I just don't know that they found their new aesthetic. I don't know if they need to. Sure. There have been some times where Marvel plays with the color on uh on a on a on a property and it like has been awesome. Like Werewolf by Night oh, being yeah. all black and white except for the bloodstone being red. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, the the whole world just opening up. Like that was awesome. That was mm-hmm. so clever and creative. Uh Thor Love and Thunder when they went to the, the, you know, the shadow realm or whatever, like that, that little world uh, where there yes, was yes. no color to anything except where light was shining, like where uh, Stormbreaker was, the, the light that it gave off yeah. was providing color and, you know, Thunderbolt and Mjolnir, like all of these things were providing like a small amount of color and a very tight radius around it. Um, that was a really cool use of color. And then going to there from somewhere like where all of the gods were, you know, having their their big party, uh, you know, when when Zeus is like, you're uninvited from the orgy. Like <laughs> the the that whole thing was like it was like Sakaar, just bright and colorful and, and beautiful. Yeah, there was so yeah, much yeah, yeah. vibrance. Yeah. I, I agree. I think there's definitely like like Taiko Titi is clearly like putting a lot of that uh bright colors. And I think uh, one that stands out to me is Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi feels um, colorful to me. Uh, well, it, it kind of feels dark in the beginning. Well, uh, mm, in San Francisco. Like, yeah, that bus scene in San Francisco, like, yep. all those bright, the, 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 way they, the way they shoot it, like, it all feels really bright and colorful to me. Uh, even just like the use of like the bright sports cars at the beginning. And then like when the guy has his like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, lightsaber and he's like cutting through the bus a or razor whatever. fist, <laughs> razor fist. Um, yeah. Uh, when, when he's like cutting around the bus stuff, like that's just like, I don't know the brightness of the like molten metal and stuff. Like it just all looks really cool. Yeah. Well, I, f- I feel like all the stuff in, in San Francisco is like super bright and colorful and fun. Mm-hmm. But once he gets into that world of, you know, back in with his father, everything gets more muted and kind of like, yeah. it feels almost like oppression is pushing the color For down sure. For sure. along with him. I, well, it's a shame. And then when they get to- I'm trying to think. The, when they get to the, the, the mom's realm, like they go through the, the water portal- Everything's yeah. back to being bright and colorful. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. All like, that the red, the dragon the scale and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it looks great. Yeah, yeah. I do think, I think some of it is the way they use to color grade these movies, but some of it is also like the CGI. Like I, I think about the scene at the end of the movie where he is riding the dragon or like fighting the dragon or whatever. Um, I find that scene, while cool, to be a lot harder to connect with um, all because it doesn't feel real. You know what I mean? Like it feels sure. like you've that whole movie feels so much like a really good martial arts movie. And then that final scene feels a little like a Zack Snyder fight, <laughs> you know, like big swirling mass of water and dragon in the air. And he's just having to punch it with big metal rings. It, it, I love, I love it. I love that movie, but like, I 
think the the ending because it feels very CGI, I think it loses something in that last. And it kind of feels like this the it kind of feels a little more drab than the rest of the movie to me. But I, it's also been a while since so I've seen it. I'm not I'm not sure if that really has anything to do with the color grading, but like Well, uh, there is there is a bit of uh color grading work that that is in that where like when um when Chang Chi takes the rings from his dad and like turns them gold uh yeah, you know, yeah, away yeah. from the blue that like the gold rings like floating around him spiraling around him uh basically orbiting him bring out so much light and color in this like otherwise very gray place that his dad had kind of like he his dad kind of made that place really dark and oppressive and like when he opened the door and let out the 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 creature it was like it was like oozing shadow and yeah. just like it was it was sucking all of the color out of the area and it's like the rings had to shine brighter to fight against it yeah yeah i mean like i'm i'm looking at the scene now and like it really does have that like gr- everything's gray like over on the shoreline there's like green grass and people wearing that red dragon scale but yeah. like all this beautiful like, stuff over there. Yeah, all the stuff with the dragons where he's like jumping through the air and fight and the two dragons are chasing each other and stuff. Like it all has that like it to me it should have been that should have been more colorful. Uh sure. Really should have been. Um and so so I guess like there's those there's some things that still feel like and I, I think it might have something to do with CGI more than it has to do with um just color grading and it's and obviously it's the way they're choosing i think sometimes that bright colored cgi is hard to make look real so they sort of dampen the colors to sort of like give it this like look it's in the real world like as if something is too brightly colored it already has a feeling of like surrealness that doesn't belong (laughs) right so if you put those dragons and you'd made them bright red it's like oh that's not a real thing the way i I can't buy into that you know (laughs) Like Ooh, this man. whole world isn't real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, but when uh when his friend shoots the dragon in the neck, it like turns all purple. That's that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it gets very bright purple right there. Okay. I uh, this was fun. That's a good man. prompt. That's a good prompt. That's a good uh, obscure prompt. I want you to do it again, but I don't want you to because if you do, I'll want to talk about it. Um, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> so let's do this again. This was fun. Well, you guys tell us if you thought this was fun. Like, shoot us, shoot us some messages, or shoot us, uh, tell us on the Stranded Panda chat uh, if you like this. This was just like it was fun going in with no thought about what we were going to talk about, and just like with our like love and passion for this universe and just like know that like whatever it says we'll have thoughts about it let's see what happens yeah um that was fun i, was I just really typed fun. give me another one and it's oh about, no uh, oh the music. no okay see yeah it, it feels like so chat gpt is talk asking a lot of questions that are like very much about the overall MCU. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to ask me questions about, like, do you think Shang-Chi would win against blah, blah, blah? Like, I, would, I wish I wish there were, like, prompts like that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Okay. I'm saying give me one about a specific character. Oh, okay. See, I told you not to do this, man. We're going to be here forever. <gasps> How about discussing the character development of Bucky Barnes throughout the MCU films? Oh, that's a good one. 
That's a good man. one, man. We gotta do this again. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to, like that's a whole episode. Like oh, I could yeah, start at the top of the episode, go across each movie and discuss really what his character went through. Like we could do a multi part series and talk about each movie and his character arc. Huh. Good job, ChatGPT. You just gave us a multi part <laughs> series. Um <laughs> No, yeah, that's that's that that is a good one. Uh, okay, shoot. No, let's get. We gotta go. We gotta get off we of gotta, here. We can't. <laughs> we can't. It, like, I have to. I have to take my mom to the doctor in the morning, and I have to edit this before I go to bed, so I can. Like, I have go. to go to sleep. I have like, to. I have to go to sleep. That prompt is like another hour and a half, and I just like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't do that tonight. But knowing that this is fun and and like uh, we're enjoying it, like we'll, we'll we, maybe we will just like do this one day and do it for like just three hours. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll just get so many episodes out of this. <laughs> uh, okay, this was fun, uh, and I was I was also hoping that Chat and it did a little bit with that Phase Four thing, but like I was hoping Chat GPT would also just ask weird questions like. Um, do you hope that Shang-Chi meets Batman in the next MCU movie? You know, like, <laughs> like it gets confused. Like I was really hoping for a little more confusion. Oh, I was, I said, give me one about a different character. And it's like, how about discussing the character arc of Loki throughout the MCU films? Oh man. That's a, that's a, that yet another really great one. <sighs> okay. Okay. We'll, we'll do, we'll do this, this again. And, uh, maybe, yeah, it's fun. This is a good time. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, Wait. Matt, Matt, Matt. <laughs> okay, 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 what, Matt, Jeff? I said, give me a bizarre question about the MCU. <laughs> and it said, sure, here's a bizarre question. If the Avengers had to fight an army of giant ducks, which Avenger do you think would be the most effective in battle, and why? Okay, um... <laughs> An army of giant ducks. An so army not, of giant ducks. Not duck. a single giant duck, but an army of giant ducks. Are the ducks ma- malevolent or just... Uh, they have to fight them. They have to fight them. So I'm going to assume malevolence on the part of the ducks. Like the, the those like... They're uh, ducks. Of course they're malevolent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Have you ever <laughs> been to a duck park? Like, they will chase you. They will ducks chase you. Ducks are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My my knee jerk is Thor, and I'll just throw my knee jerk as Thor out there because I just feel like ducks wouldn't do well with lightning. Yeah, they're pretty susceptible to lightning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like like flesh ducks or rubber ducks. Like lightning's not going to treat them well. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Rubber ducks. Rubber. Uh, oh shoot! Yeah, you're right. I was Rubber's thinking it was conductive. like I was thinking it was going to melt them, but no, you're right. Are these rubber ducks? That's the question. <laughs> oh God. Okay. 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 I mean, if it's an army of flesh ducks, uh, a giant Thor, flesh ducks. Thor is a hundred percent your your boy. Thor. Thor's my boy. Not only, but also like he has he has so much combat experience yeah. over you know. 1500 years that he's been alive that he's been fighting ducks have a short lifespan very short lifespan but like if they're rubber he won't be able to use uh the lightning but he could still whack them with mjolnir or stormbreaker okay i say but they're susceptible to crushing Yes. Smashing, Ooh. if you will. Ooh, smashing. I was thinking, like, okay, yeah, I, this doesn't really work, but I was thinking is this, maybe... Is this OG Avengers, or, like, can we talk about Captain Marvel? 
Oh, Captain Marvel, yeah. Captain she Marvel would, would annihilate to... a jarmy of uh, a jarmy, a giant army of giant ducks. What, what do they call her in the new Marvels movie? Like the Annihilator or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> like she's the annihilator of giant ducks. <laughs> yep. I'm so glad I typed that in. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Ask us, uh, give us some ideas for Jet GPT prompts, everybody. That's, that's like a new form of feedback. Just give us an idea for a weird Chat GPT episode. All right. Well, this was cool. I, I, I'm just excited to do something weird and new. Uh, this is a, this is a fun time. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, when's your libations this Sunday? Uh, this Saturday, March 2nd. Saturday, March 2nd. What time? Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 okay. p.m. Eastern. Sweet. Y'all check them out on twitch.tv slash train at Panda TV. They'll be on there talking about, uh, you know, Lupercalia. Lupercalia. I don't know what that is. You'll find out. I will. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Hey. You just listened to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast from Stranded Panda. I really hope you liked it. Let me just say a big thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash mcucast. You are the lifeblood of our little operation here. And a huge, huge thank you to our insanely generous Illuminati tier patrons. Walter Kreisky III, Lieutenant Bongo, and Jazz Viz. You guys are amazing. If you'd like to see our beautiful faces, you can catch a video version of many of our episodes at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. Love you 3000, my friends. <laughs>